You are listening to the Mary Jane Society Podcast, brought to you by Studio 420, a cannabis-friendly marketing agency. I'm your host, Pam Schmiel, Marketing Director for Studio 420. Today we meet Jay Sharkowski, CEO of Denver-based Canna Advisors. Since 2013, Canna Advisors has guided entrepreneurs and startups entering the cannabis industry and cannabis companies looking to grow and expand their existing businesses. Jay sees the Northeast as the next hotbed for innovation in the cannabis industry and recently set up a second office in the Empire State Building. They're kicking it off with a Shark Tank-style pitch deck competition, where the winner will receive fifty dollars to $500,000 investment. The competition takes place at the MJ Unpacked event in New York City this May. Let's meet Jay to get his take on the state of cannabis in the Northeast. Hi, Jay. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you just fine. Okay, yeah, this should work. We should be able to do this from the airport lounge. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully you're in a relaxing chair. Where where are you? LaGuardia. Yeah, we just uh we got we got the keys and access badges to our office this week in in Midtown. We're in the Empire State Building. So yeah, we're uh you know, we're we we aim to do uh do a fair amount of business here in New York State and really the entire Northeast for that matter. Right. I mean, it's kicking off. Yeah, it's it's really it's like dominoes up here. So thank you. I know you're really busy and I really appreciate you taking the time. And I I'm also based in New York City. Um, so kind of really excited about all that's happening here. Um, so I thought we could just jump right into um, some questions. Yeah, sounds good. OK, so uh, so I know Canna Advisors recently set up an office in New York City. And um, to kick it off, you announced the pitch deck competition uh, where the winner will receive a $500,000 investment. So I, I just wanted to hear a little bit about that and, uh, you know, the criteria. Um, is the prize contingent on obtaining a license? You know, just things like that. I thought you could give us an overview. Certainly. And it's, uh, it, it's certainly not a prize that uh, we're going to give to somebody um, you know, especially if they if they don't have a license, the, uh, the 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 pitch deck competition. It's like a shark a Shark Tank style event. We're going to be inviting. We've we've already have invited, uh, you know, groups, New York based groups, uh, to apply. And the idea is we're going to be looking hard at investment opportunities. So it's uh, it's an investment that we're offering. The uh, the size of the investment that we're offering is between fifty thousand dollars and five hundred thousand dollars. And that is, of course, and I'll you know put this all in bold, uh, you know, dependent upon final due diligence. So, you know, this is an investment opportunity uh, for us, and it's certainly an opportunity for a small uh, startup uh, in in New York State to raise capital. We're also offering a one hundred and fifty thousand dollars scholarship to Canna Advisors uh, Licensing Services, uh, which which should take care of this group's uh, license application pursuit. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, so I didn't realize it's, it's a shark tape type event. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the the idea is to, I mean, there's a lot of big companies, right, um, in cannabis right now. And there's certainly a lot of uh, well-heeled groups with money, with business experience uh, that aren't currently in cannabis and, and that want to get in. 
the whole purpose of this uh, exercise is to uh, find, you know, like a, a mom and pop, maybe it's a social uh, equity applicant, you know, find the small player, find the find the group that's undercapitalized, right, that maybe doesn't have all the political connections, that maybe doesn't have all the business savvy, uh, but they have a good plan, they have a good team, maybe they have real estate and uh, local connections uh, where they are, you know, find uh, what I'll call a, a, a group that has a lot of the pieces together, but could really use some help to get started in terms of capital and expertise. That's the kind of group that we're looking for. Um, are you looking at legacy players? I mean, I, I'm sure you know that these legacy players are, you know, coming out in the open, um, are hoping they're going to get these licenses and go legal. It's a little tricky, I know, because they have been operating illegally for so long, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they have any great, you know, business infrastructure. Um, but just curious, are you looking at some of these guys also? Yeah, we, we are happy to look at legacy players. Um, I, I've met some wonderful salt of the earth legacy players from uh, upstate New York um, just last week when I was out, out this way. Now, I, I will say any quote unquote legacy players that are currently open, um, you know, have some kind of a, you know, quasi, uh, you know, black market uh, storefront or uh, I, even saw, I even saw a marijuana food truck driving around New York City yesterday. Um, you know, we're not interested in working with a group that's currently uh, flaunting the law. Um, I don't believe that those groups long-term will be successful. I believe they'll be shut down. And I, I believe the fact that they're currently operating this way uh, and just such flagrant violation, um, I think that's gonna probably go against them when they try to get a license. Right. Well, I, I think the state did say that in their announcement, their cease and desist letter they put out there, that that would um, would, would probably harm them. So, right. I, I mean, that makes sense that you wouldn't want to be part of that um, or support that kind of activity. But just I bet there's some really good entrepreneurs in that group of people, though. Um, but yeah. yeah. So what um, are, are you looking at? all types of businesses between, I, I guess anything, cultivation, CPG. Yeah, um, cultivation, manufacturing, you know, dispensary, maybe even uh, distribution, a distribution play. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we're gonna take a, take a hard look at, at who's out there and, and who applies. And, you know, we're gonna do, do some real work to, um, you know, go through all of the, uh, you know, pitch decks and credentials and materials that folks put forth. and try to whittle that down to a small number and then have a live event uh, here in the city that's gonna be held in Midtown from May 18th to the 20th. This is actually something that you should check out because it's um, the, the guy, you've probably heard of MJ BizCon. That's the big event in Vegas, right? It yes, started like, yes. gosh, nine years ago. Well, the, uh, the gentleman who was hired as the CEO to build that event, his name was George Jage. And George, uh, started a whole new event a couple of years ago called MJ Impact. It has a very narrow focus. It's fo focused on retail. It's focused on the brands with a real special catering to the investor. Uh, the guy's a class act, puts on a first class event, and he's going to have his second event um, uh, in May. He had his first one last fall in Vegas. I was going to have his second one in May in New York City.
Oh, I haven't heard that yet, but yes, I do know of him, and um, I yes, I've read about what he's done, and that he did uh, spin off and do do this other one. Thank you. I, I will check that out. Very recently, it seems that the beverage industry is really starting to pop. You know, cannabis beverages. Are you seeing anything? Any entrepreneurs in the New York market that are going to get into the beverage uh, end of it? So I personally haven't seen any yet, but I I know they're out there. And just, uh, you know, beverages that I've seen uh, develop out of California, out of Colorado, they've come a long way. And I, I think a lot of these beverage uh, startups have, are starting to crack the nut of, uh, you know, how to build, you know, how to create like a, a low dose beverage uh, where you could enjoy an entire beverage, not just have to take a couple of sips or uh, you end up too high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think the beverage industry is going to be really, really big, especially like powdered beverages. And it, I think it'll really serve the um, the smoking lounges, the consumption lounges, since they're, you know, most states are not allowing liquor licenses and they need something to bring in the revenue. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of comparison to uh, New York, to the California market. You know, people are saying that New York's going to be a, a much bigger market. And I'm just curious, because you've worked with entrepreneurs and businesses all over the country, do you see a, a comparison in how New York is launching? Um, I know California is a bit of a mess in a couple different ways, um, and the farmers are in big trouble and all that. But do you see the difference between how New York entrepreneurs or our government is approaching businesses? And is the culture different? Just kind of an all you know, any, anything that you see in what we're doing versus what they've done? Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to, to make some comparisons. First and foremost, uh, I've been, in, I've been in this industry. This is my 13th year in cannabis. Uh, it's my, it's my 10th year working in multiple States and multiple countries. And as a general rule, I don't do business in, in California. It's, it's just such a zoo. It's such a mess. It's been that way for generations. Uh, I honestly believe it's going to probably take generations, decades for any kind of a stable market to develop there. Um, I think the brands, for the most part, the brands that I see come out of California, uh, they're not good. And I don't think they'll, uh, those California brands, at least uh, you know, many of them will not resonate with folks in the East Coast. Um, uh, conversely, uh, I'm pushing all my chips into the Northeast right now. As I told you earlier, I moved my number one executive out here. Uh, I picked up some office space in the Empire State Building. I'm personally spending two, if not three weeks a month out here. I'm a huge believer in what the potential is in the Northeast. Uh, I believe in the, uh, the financial and the business expertise in this area, uh, the brand development and the marketing expertise uh, in New York and really the entire Northeast. Uh, I'm a firm believer that the cannabis industry that develops here in New York, here in the Northeast, uh, will, far will far surpass in many ways the current industry that exists in California. Mm, wow, that's so interesting. Okay. And I, I didn't realize that you also had a hand in global operations. Are you just starting to talk to, to entrepreneurs in other countries? And Yeah, we've done, we've done some work over the years in other countries. We've, we've done some work in um, you know, Canada, Australia. Um, i uh, part owner of a cultivation facility in North Macedonia. We've done some work in the UK. Uh, about to do some work in Germany. Um, so yeah, 
Oh, okay. They're kind of coming on board. I'm just taking a look at the global landscape to see, you know, how things are going there. But I think that's another reason why New York, well, New York City specifically is a great place for a brand to launch because it's the gateway to uh, the rest of the world. Most of the world enters the United States through New York City. And if you can get your, sell your brand, you know, mostly CPG products, I guess, and ancillary products, but um, it's it's a way for them to build brand awareness in New York City for those tourists coming to the city. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Yeah. So, um, um, what are areas of concern that you see in the way our laws are looking to roll out in the licensing application? So, when you're going to be working with applicants or people trying to launch a business here, is there something kind of off the top of your head that you're thinking? oh, this is going to be a problem. Well, anytime you have a limited number of licenses available, then it becomes competitive, right? And in any kind of a competitive licensing situations, you're going to have those folks that win licenses and those folks, of course, that that lose, that don't get a license. Uh, The folks that lose are typically unhappy. Sometimes they file lawsuits against the state for various reasons. So uh, hopefully... Uh, those types of issues don't uh, slow up the program. Um, if I understand correctly, the state's going to issue, and again, none of this is set in stone yet, but you know, we're still waiting for draft regulations to come out in New York, so we, we don't know all the details right now. But you know, we're hearing uh, 200-ish cultivation licenses will be issued, maybe 500 or so uh, dispensary licenses. We're hearing, there, we're hearing there, there may be no limit on, on manufacturing licenses, so uh, that's potentially good. And then I, I guess there's going to be some type of a, of a micro business license. Hopefully, I'm not confusing that with New Jersey. No, that's um, right. Yeah. In, in which case, these micro business licenses should allow anybody that wants to participate in the program. It should allow them to uh, to participate to some degree. We'll have to see. Right, right. It's all all coming down. How about um, how about real estate in in the Northeast? Do you see that as a a challenge for people getting real estate and this crowded city and the laws and for sure. I mean, real estate is always the great limiter. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll refer back to New Jersey right now. There's, there's really no, there's, there's no real limit on licenses at the state level. I mean, there's some limitations right now in New Jersey on cultivation licenses, but that, that gets lifted in another year, year and a half. Um, But the big limiting factor is, is real estate. Um, somebody has to go out, they have to secure a piece of real estate, and more importantly, they have to make sure that they can secure local support. I mean, that's great that you have uh, an awesome retail location right across a, right across from the train station in Hoboken, but if the, if the local municipality you know, doesn't want your business there, you're not going to open. So securing real estate uh, and securing that local support is going to be critical really to, to any business in New York State. Um, I, I just want to jump back to the international um, entrepreneurs trying to make a play for the New York market. Do you see any restrictions or, or will it be easy for them or anything, comments on about that, of them trying yeah, to? So, so folks from other countries um, wanting to get licenses in New York, um, you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with any. Um, I, I would think they'll probably have a harder time uh, than New York State residents, at least I would uh, I would hope they'd have a harder time. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. Now, I think it's certainly possible that, you know, in the years ahead, international groups, such as even Canadian groups, 
uh, you know, they, they could purchase a New York license from a current owner. And that would certainly allow that that uh, that license holder in New York State to uh, to do quite well uh, on an exit. Um, so that's an option for them. I don't, I don't know how many out of the country groups are going to going to be applying here. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Right. It'll be interesting how yeah how it all unfolds. Like when we go global, that'll be an interesting thought. I'm just curious: is um, what are, what would be your favorite business model out of all these different? businesses licenses that are being offered i'm a big fan of the dispensary okay um you know cultivation licenses are could be very exciting and very lucrative but over time i mean cannabis is a plant uh the cannabis flower is closest genetically to the hops flower from which we make beer uh you and i can go out right now and buy a pound of organic hops flower for roughly 25 dollars so why is cannabis flour thousands and thousands of dollars a pound? Uh, you know, over time, that's of course going to just drop. It's going to get lower and lower. The plant material will become more of a commodity uh, versus retail locations. You know, real estate is finite, right? So there's really only going to be so many retail locations, just, you know, mostly because, you know, towns aren't going to want to have an unlimited number of dispensaries. Uh, it's a lower cost uh, to entry. So just in terms of simplicity and ease, uh, as well as, you know, pretty much a guaranteed profit if you can build a, build a decent store in a decent location. I like retail. Okay, great. And I guess the last question is, how do you feel about interstate commerce? Do you think it will negatively or positively affect businesses once we open up the borders? Or do you think it'll hurt small business owners? Or are you a fan of interstate commerce? Well, I, I think interstate commerce actually, ha I mean, it, it absolutely has to happen. It's uh, ridiculous that a company in Colorado, if they want to do business in Massachusetts, they have to go to Massachusetts and either uh, hook up with a local manufacturing partner that has a local license. They have to do the same thing state by state. Uh, in a lot of, uh, you know, in a lot of different states, the packaging requirements are different. The labeling requirements are different. So interstate commerce is something that will happen one day. And when it does happen, it will be a boon to certain businesses and a bust to others. Yeah. I could give you an example if you'd okay. like. I'll, I don't think it's going to, certainly not going to hurt, uh, it's certainly not going to hurt the dispensary businesses, but right. um, you know, if, if, it, if it turns out that New York cultivation businesses uh, have a higher cost of production than these folks that have been doing it for generations in Humboldt County in Northern California, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that Northern California cannabis, uh, if it's allowed to come into the state, uh, these New York growers uh, might not be able to compete. Now, I will tell you, uh, you know, Biden or whoever the next president is, they could they could legalize uh, uh, cannabis at the federal level immediately. You could do it today and tomorrow. Nothing changes because this is still a state by state program. So even with federal legalization and interstate commerce being allowed. Uh, New York State would have to amend its laws to allow for the imp import of cannabis from other states. Mm. Right. How can we how can we grow as an industry if we're all confined to our, our own states? And, you know, some states, I'd say, that are, are not as populated, maybe like Montana or, or Nevada, really. How, how are they expected to get the revenue that they need? Um, and actually, this is one last question. I'm sorry. So um, oh. uh, most brands 
obviously many of the CPG brands want to build their brands into a household name. And, and the only way to do that is state by state, like you were saying, going in and, and partnering with cultivators or things like that. Do you think that's a good idea or do you, I guess, how do you feel about that approach? Yeah, it does, the, the, depending on, on how it works and, and, and how it's structured. Um, again, I, I think the, the biggest thing for these brands to uh, have an easier time establishing themselves as, uh, as a household name you know, rather than having to always put in so much effort to creating it, creating an entirely new business and entirely new manufacturing facility uh, in each state, it'll be great when they could have one central manufacturing facility and then just focus on distribution to these other states and just focus on marketing uh, in these other states. Uh, and I think they'll have a much, uh, you know, easier and more streamlined approach to uh, growing. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, that's a big challenge. Well, I think that pretty much covers it, unless there's something else you want to say about your move in Cano Advisors. It just sounds like so much fun being here in New York. I think it's going to be really exciting. It really is. I, you know, I, I love coming here. I've been coming to New York City on business since 2013. Uh, we've done a lot in other states, and we've won licenses and set up facilities in New Jersey, and Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, and Pennsylvania. Um, you know, the program in New York has always been so limited, right? I mean, even to this day, um, you know, the, the first round of applications in New York State was in 2015, and they had another round, I don't know, two, three years later. But to this day, seven years in, there's only a total of 10 licenses awarded. Um, you know, I've been coming here for years, and I've never even come stumbled across a dispensary or, or seen one. So a no. uh, lot of room for upside here. It, yeah, it, it's just not off and running yet, you know? But uh, anyway, so thanks, Jay. It was really nice to meet you. Okay. Yeah, nice, nice chat with you, Cam. Have a great, uh, great day and great rest of your weekend. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.